0: Welcome to the Survival Sessions. My name is Sean Milne and this is The Return of Hepkelt. A real treat today as we're joined by the one and only Douglas Montgomery, one half of the Orkney Legends, Saltfish Forty. And you're going to be playing live at the Survival Sessions. Are you excited? Are you nervous? Oh, just absolutely delighted to be a part of the festival. Uh, Brian
1: who's out there, half a Saltfish 40, Um, myself and me, we've been coming back and forth to Hebkel for a long time now. I think it's way back in the early mists, so the early 2000s. It's been lovely to be a part of it over the years. We've done lots of things. we played in the old Toon Hall before Anne Lanter was built. Uh, that was probably our first gig there, and we've been out the west. We've played in some of the village halls out there, and we've played the main stage, and we've been out with the other band that we play in called The Chair, and we've done that uh oh I think maybe two or three times now and it's just been breaking every time we do Hebkelt it's it's just fantastic. It's you know like coming coming for Orkney we're all part of the, the island thing that goes on so we kind of have this kind of mutual understanding. But the festival there at is so much different for the festival that we have here. Um so to, to go over to come up over to Hebkelt um especially this this year when things have been so shut down it's it's an absolute treat. Really really looking forward
0: to it. It's interesting you mentioned the different festivals in the in the area. How important do you think these have been and how important do you think they'll be recognised now, given all that's happened the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, well, I think the, the Orty Festival, we did um, some online recording for that. And actually, that was probably one of the few things we did earlier this year. So it's great to have another festival. And funny enough, it's another island group and um, really pulling out the stops again to make it possible for not, not only for, for artists to, to do a wee bit of playing, but for folk to have something to, to look forward to and enjoy and, and you know have a wee bit of brightness. And um, right now, is, is, I think we need it all
0: because before the pandemic hit, I think I read somewhere that was it the syllabus sessions was your last proper live gig?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, and I think it was towards late February. Um, we, we kind of noticed that there was things starting to happen uh, COVID-wise. We had no idea, thought it might just pass like some, anything else. And so we didn't really realise that the, our last trip away um, would be the last bit of playing live, proper live playing, uh, you know, for a year and a half. It's the long... I mean, I can... I think since since I started playing the fiddle, which is an awful long time ago, probably nearly 40 years ago, I've never ever been this long without playing at something or, or working towards something. Or, and that's, that's the, the other side of it, you know, it's just, just to have something to work towards. It's is brilliant again. It's just, I've been, actually, this afternoon, just rehearsing over the material for the opening concept, the Between Islands event, which we would have done last year. Um, if I hadn't been for COVID, so we're getting to do a live performance of that this year on the Wednesday.
0: How do you deal with that individually once it's been such a big part of your life? To it's not that you're choosing not to do it, it's been denied of you. Well,
1: to be honest, uh, not very well. Um, I guess I mean, I've been plugging away doing a lot of play in the last probably 25 years, um, so maybe maybe it, it was pretty good to get a wee rest. So I'm feeling a wee bit more, probably more up for, well, really up for gigs now. Um, so maybe the rest over this last year and a half is exactly what I needed. Um, I've, kind of done, I've got a family and, you know, we've been busy. F- things like um, the some of me parents play football and rugby and, and I, I used to play a lot of football and rugby myself. So I've ended up becoming a rugby coach and a football coach uh, this last year and a half, and that's that's get me going. Um, music's kind of in the back, back seat, which might rejuvenate me for the next 25 years,
0: I'm hoping. As much as it's been so hard, so difficult throughout this period, can you see it being reflected in the work that comes forward in terms of the tunes that are written, the, the songs that emerge?
1: Yeah, well, I would imagine, you know, I mean, Again, like you say I've probably had a really, I mean, I said I was doing football coaching and rugby coaching. I've actually written a lot of tunes this year, uh, much more than I would have normally. And I would imagine most musicians will have been the same. I think there'll be an awful lot of good music come out in the next three or four years. I think I think it could be quite exciting times,
0: musically ahead. I, I quite like how you mentioned the other band, the chair there super band i think most people would say so you've got the, the two projects on the go when you're developing your work do you do it with a different mindset for each or is it the same thing you just pick the project to go to one or to the other
1: when i'm writing a tune i'm no i don't really think oh that would that would suit saltfish for that would suit the chair um, and, and in a lot of cases it's all, all with my hands um, and sometimes the other boys that they, they they dictate if they like a tune that's great if, if no it gets lumped in the other band sometimes. <laughs> or it just never sees the light of day quite often.
0: You mentioned the Between Island stage and the projects being involved in there. Is that an altogether different experience working in that manner?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's probably it's probably the, the, the thing that I like most. It's collaboration and working with other people. Like, again, when you've got a piece of music and you play it yourself, you can, uh, you can take it or leave it. But it's it's working with other people and getting other people's take on it. Um, it's really interesting and, and the, the, the folk so I thought I touched on this before about the, the the islands having similarities but also they're very different so it's really brilliant for an Arcadian to be involved with some uh, some Gaelic songs or getting to play some of the, the fantastic Shetland fiddle music it's just a great experience and the, and the musicians involved are just a great bunch of folk and I, honestly I can't can't wait to, to the first rehearsal next Tuesday it'd be brilliant
0: but this will be your first time together for a while, I'd imagine. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's going to be, see if I can still do it. I suppose would be the, the question. Yeah, I'm just, and in, in some ways, you kind of forget. You just kind of life goes on, and you kind of. But I, you know, I, I'm, I'm I, I can still remember the, the feeling of getting a, a group of musicians together and making a good sound, and that's what I'm looking forward to.
0: I would imagine it would be quite. Emotional for everybody, and perhaps it could be one of the best gigs ever, you know, the fact that everyone just will go at it. Yeah,
1: but I'm, I'm always a wee bit nervous about that. We keep keeping things together, and uh, but no, I think it'll be quite something. Um, a lot of the tunes we recorded, uh, I suppose, in isolation, so we've never actually played a lot of them live together. There was a few, the, like half of the album was a live project which was great and then the other half was was put together remotely so it's going to be quite exciting to bring it together for the first time and we don't we don't have a lot of rehearsal time so it could be it could be pretty exciting i think
0: what do you think we the audience can expect
1: probably a bunch of very very happy folk on stage making music together and hopefully that'll rub off hopefully it'll be a good thing
0: there's a real sort Depth and layers to the kind of music you do at Saltfish 40. And I was trying to find out a bit more about that kind of process that I'm particularly interested in because in my spare time I studied Norwegian. And when I was reading about Bairn, the kind of history behind that with the, the crops and how it all came forward. And then I discovered you'd played in Norway and you'd had some uh, music students come across in the past to, to have a tour of the islands and things. And also, I spent some time in the Balkans and You've got what seems to be quite a few influences from East Europe and, and that area as well. Is that something you do consciously? Is just look at different regions and draw for it, or how are you attracted to investigate that kind of music and import it into your own?
1: Yeah, well, I suppose you know, grown grown up here in Auk, you can't help but be influenced by what's come here before, um, and we, you know, we have so much Norwegian, Danish. Uh, influences in the islands and, and, and the names of our islands, buildings, still here, lo- lo- lots and lots of things. You grow up all around it. So in some ways, you can't really help, you know, picking up the music that goes along with that. And um, We still, we celebrate Norwegian Constitution Day every year here. And um, I, I work in the schools. I, I teach um, uh, stringed instruments in the schools. And so every year we, we put together a project or sometimes two or three projects in the year that's revolving um, for um, Norwegian, Danish heritage. I'm just presuming everybody knows that Orkney used to belong, Orkney and Shetland used to belong to the Danish crown. So you kind of grow, grow around it, but because it's already there, that kind of entices you to go look a wee bit further. Um, so it's... And then, if you look a wee bit further than that, you're, it's not that far away for the Baltic Sea and all that kind of influences for there either. So I suppose both ways you get you kind of stumble on it because because we're here, and then that kind of gives you the, the taste to go and look further for.
0: That's one of the most magnificent things about music and festivals and trad in particular. I guess is this kind of fusion of cultures and. Friendships and what can emerge? It could be there must be some bands who've played in the past that have Kilton elsewhere that you've watched and thought, oh they're brilliant. Because everyone really stands out.
1: Oh, you can, there's somebody that stands out every every time you go to a festival, there's somebody you, you go away, or maybe even more than one, and you just go, Wow, that's I've learned something there i've influenced. I've just uh, that that has been brilliant. I suppose <laughs> the last person to influence me. See, it's been a year and a half since we've probably done stuff. So. What was the last thing we did? God, I can't remember for those other bands playing. Um, there was a really great band in Orkney a few years ago um, called Basco, and they're from Denmark. And we actually ended up, sort of shortly, we did a collaboration project with them in Aberdeen as part of the Northern Arc series. I think we played at the Lemon Tree, I think it was. And I really, really enjoyed that. They had accordion and fiddles and trombone and uh mandola, it was tremendous. Just an approach to, I so get it, was, again, similar to things to between the islands. But I suppose um, they took their kind of Danish approach and met the Arcadian
0: approach. It was great. It was a super, a super weekend. There. Now, you're a teacher, you say. What inspired you to pick up an instrument in the first place? Uh, I don't know. I was
1: almost almost the black sheep of the family for kind of picking up the fiddle. Although, in my generation... I was the second youngest grandchild of, I don't know how many of them, were, about 15 grandbairns. And uh, on my mother's generation, none of them really played the fiddle. I think they, in Orkney, they were kind of coming out of the war and trying to recover and trying to get things going. So they probably didn't, wasn't a lot of fiddle playing. But the generation before that, everybody played the fiddle. So my granny had all these fiddles uh, sitting on top of the the, the wardrobe. But none of the other grandparents really showed any interest in it until I came along, and I just—I I don't know—I couldn't help myself. Um, granny took the fiddle, um, doing for the wardrobe, and then I got fiddle lessons for a local guy here, um, and it was brilliant. He was brilliant. A guy called Willie Sinclair, and he kind of fueled me, fueled me love for music, and I just kept playing for
0: them. And now all these sort of years on when you play for yourself as much as for, for other people, um, I'm thinking about this in relation to lockdown particularly, but at any time, any point in your life, is it a performance, you play a song, you move on, or is there a deeper connection, like an emotion that, that goes through?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, when you when I play any tune, you know, you you remember every, everything that's been involved with that that tune. You know, the first time I looked at it, uh, who who showed it to me? Um, where I've played at What events? Just everything around that. Yeah, it's it, it's. I think I think it has to be. I think you've got to have a deeper feeling on what you're playing. Otherwise, you know, I think people you got to believe in what you're doing. Otherwise, folk will see through you right away. If you, if you if you're no date yourself, folk will just know they'll know grasp onto it.
0: That was probably born out in the way you got together as a band because I'm already seeing you turned up for a charity gig, some other people didn't turn up and, and off you went. So, to hell, we just do it anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was a long time ago. No, no, it's just that, that gig, um, that was probably the early 2000s. So, we I don't know how long we've been doing Saltmarsh Shorty, but. It kind of it kind of came for there, and I guess it kind of went in a slightly different direction when we started doing it as a duo. It's, you know, you don't you don't come across if you like if you like something, uh, you, you don't generally come across somebody who likes it as much as you do, or the same amount, so that you can work similarly together. But I think that's where me and Brian do work well together, is because we both equally enjoy what what we're doing.
0: Is it journey since then what you'd expected? I mean, because you've gone on, you've won what the BBC Folk Awards, you've headlined stages across the world, you know, Canada. You've been to France, all these different countries, all these different festivals. You mentioned headlining the Hebridean. It must have been hard to imagine then what well, this is what lies ahead. At what point did you suddenly think, "Do we've got something here"?
1: Uh I don't know. I mean, I never really think like that.
0: So what's the fun of it?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think we've kind of kept that kept that at the heart of things, certainly. Um, I mean, part of the fun is is to, you know, have some goals and try trying to play at all these lovely places because there's so many great festivals out there and lovely people to meet and to perform with. And, but yeah, I, I don't think that was, there was ever anything like that. It was just a case of, you know, we would enjoy playing music and uh, taking it for there, I think.
0: What's been happening with the chair? Because obviously Saltfish Fort is its own entity. Have you been in touch with the guys over there and saying,
1: yeah. let's try this? Yeah, I mean, we um, we actually did a, a live performance for the Orkney Folk Festival, which was absolutely brilliant. It was like the first time we'd kind of done anything. We Just just before lockdown, we actually recorded a new album. So last year, brilliant things to go and do. Uh, but of course, COVID hit and everything was kind of put on hold. So we've got a kind of pretty much... A whole new album there, waiting in the wings, just to, to lash out at folk when we're when we're alone.
0: And you're also involved in the My Name's Doddy Foundation single as well with uh, Bruce McGregor and Blaze and Fiddles and the folk orchestra and what have you.
1: Yeah, that was that was super to be involved with that. That was just one of Bruce's many many ideas that he gets, and he just, as usual, just does a great job work. It was, uh, yeah. It's just lovely to be a, a part of something like that, and feel that we can contribute
0: in some kind of way. Are you going to be gigging like mad at the first opportunity? How's it? How's it going to work? Or have you got? Or have you got used to a bit of home time as well?
1: Yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll probably have a bit of balance going. on. I mean, it was the last ten years. I've probably been quite quite busy, and maybe not had enough time at home. The last year and a half's really helped with that, and uh, we'll probably need to come up with some kind of balance. I would imagine we'll just
0: play as much as we can, but I don't know. We'll just see. Without getting too deep about it, from you know Orkney to Lewis and everywhere in between, you know, the pandemic's brought this. I guess you could only describe it as an unnerving silence to you know, the stages and the venues that, that we've played. And things like the survival sessions have been born out of that. As we emerge, where do you think we go from here? And what would your message be to everybody's starting to pick up instruments again?
1: well i just i just think you know it's it, it's one of the things that everybody just relies on is music and i suppose in a way it feels like it's been the last thing that has been thought about in the pandemic but maybe the first thing that people go to for comfort so i i think you know like i spoke about before this this magic um lots of music uh being composed over the pandemic. I I I think there'll be a huge explosion of excitement. Um I just wanna make sure I'm there for it.
0: You've been listening to Survival Sessions by Hebb Kilt. Today's producer and editor was Callum Fraser. Marketing and promotion is by Peter Kane from the Kane Partnership. The show is written and recorded at Scook Media Associates. The cover art is by 999 Design. The show's title music is by Nightworks. And today's host is myself, Sean Milne. For more information and how to get your passes, visit HebkiltFest.com. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for our next episode.